0: Ten,
1: nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Game over. Sound should be fixed now. I don't know why that stupid thing wants to go through, not my mic, but this stupid program. Doesn't want to accept my mic, so we started the stream with no sound. Apologies for that. We've got Sharina Med here from TSN. She's amazing, as you all know, because you've saw her on this show before. And uh, the Canadians—they're—they're they're an interesting team. And by interesting, I mean the exact opposite of interesting. They are excruciating to watch, and may have found a new low for the season somehow. So uh, I guess I should. Re up the product placement because Shireen asked SDPN.ca game over merchandise. You can find.
0: So basically, I'm gonna liken Andrew's mic to the Canadians defense. Yes. Not working.
1: Not working. Not
0: working.
1: Now OBS is Jeff Petrie to me right now. I tried Jeff. I even I did this for you. I shaved the mustache. I look like I'm from Saskatchewan, where I was born for the first time in my life. Did this for you, Jeff. You got to figure it out. This is this is rough. Like I'm trying to find the positives here because they had a stretch, I guess, three weeks ago, or so, where they looked all right, but they were still losing. And you're like, okay, maybe there's something they can find, but it's it's brutal out here. It's brutal out here. They just cannot put two and two together. It's uh. It's hard to imagine a team being worse than what the Montreal Canadiens are right now. That's how bad it is. Like, that four-minute power play in the second period. Wow. I I don't even think they got a shot on that power play. Give up a shorthanded goal. They gave up a multitude of scoring chances.
0: There was, th- there was, like, little to no puck handling like I that wasn't the thing I texted Andrew at one point during the game and I was like are they playing ping pong out here like there's legitimately no skill right now from the Canadians and being able forget about passing like keeping the puck long enough in order to pass you know Petri's turnovers like I, I just I almost wanted to text Andrew and just be like, "I cannot, I just can't with this."
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty bad. I feel like Petrie. Like, I look at this game, and I, I was looking at like the ice time for different players, and they're playing seven D again. And Duchamp was saying like the D is struggling, so we'll we're trying to like give them a break. But you talk to any defenseman who's ever played in this league, and they all say they hate playing the seven D because. You don't know when you're going on. Your shift rotation isn't right. You can't get into a flow. What it really is, is he doesn't trust Matthias Norlander, which, fine. Fine. You don't trust him? Send him back to Sweden. You know, like, why are we pissing around and pretending that you're developing a player? Because coming into the third period, he'd played five minutes Mm. out of 40. Mm. Like, what... Are they doing here? <laughs> like, what is the plan? And, like, the obvious answer is they don't have one, right? But, like, there was a bunch of uh misery on social media over the last week because uh, Mark Bergerman had talked about Jordan Harris in college, who's like seen as one of the best defensemen in college hockey, if not the best. And he's a Canadians prospect, he might not sign with the Canadians. His agent and his uh, like, uh, I don't know what how they put it, his like player. Representative that isn't an agent like his family advisor, uh, hasn't spoken with the Canadians in a while. And the Canadians haven't spoken with him either. That was the other thing. They haven't spoken with him since like last year or something. And the I the, the assumption is that he wants to go to either Boston or the Rangers. Why wouldn't he? Mm. Like if you're a young high-end defenseman and you see the way that the Canadians develop players, why would you ever mm. want to play here? It doesn't make any I sense. Mean,
0: it's, it's, I think that's one of the things, one of the most exciting things about what we saw last year in, in, the, in the playoff run was the way that the youth was being utilized and what we thought was a creativity and a chemistry. I have now it's just history yep. because I do not, I don't know. And there just doesn't seem to be any cohesiveness right now. And I'm just like, and like, I'll say this, uh, Montempo, like, I feel bad for him. I actually do. I do. And I mean, I, we've been complaining about Petrie and I kept thinking, I'm going to try to say something creative tonight. I just want to get up here and complain about Petrie and about the defensive line. But what's the first thing I said to you in tax was like, are we just going to talk about the lack of defense? Because it is such structural problem right now. Forget about <laughs> they can't add, you said two and two, they can't, do any numbers at all actually like it's just it's not working and you said there's no plan i don't feel like there's a a strategy here i'm not excited i mean pardon me for a second okay wait a 2nd let's hold on first period let's break this down there was a moment of hope that we had
1: yes they had the they looked okay once they were trailing
0: yeah so tie it up in the first, the second, the second starts. And I feel like that's just going to give us PTSD if we rehash it. <laughs> so I don't know if I, I don't think I'm prepared to like, I feel like they came out stronger in the third, but what does that even mean? Like, it just not was much. And by the fourth, the, by Buffalo's fourth goal, they did a shot of the bench and they were laughing. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, they're not like first in the Atlantic division. They're as low as we are. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then they're like, it's just, I don't know. I just thought the game would be a little more even. You know,
1: yeah. So did I, I actually even like predicted it in like a betting article that I did. I was like, this game's going to go to overtime. Cause both of these teams have bottomed out over the last stretch here. Like Buffalo after their hot start where like the last time the Canadians lost to them, the Buffalo Sabres were playing really good hockey. Yeah. And since then, like the first week to 10 days of the season, they've been the worst team in the league. They've been mm-hmm. absolutely abysmal. They lost Craig Anderson. So they had no goaltending. Mm-hmm. So that's what they were coming into this one. And the Canadians just made them look like the Harlem Glo- Globetrotters. Like, <laughs> I said that to uh, Julian and he, he was like, but the generals were due.
0: <laughs> it's just, I don't know. I, It's so part of me was thinking, okay, bear with me. There was a minute where I was like, Maybe this is the trick. Maybe they're going to bottom out and then come back and excite us at playoff time. I don't think that's going (laughs) to (laughs) happen.
1: They would have to be so unprecedentedly good to make the playoffs. Now it's like, you look at even Boston who had a bit of a slow start to the season. I think they're Mm -hmm. winning like 60% of their games or 62% of their Mm -hmm. games. So Mm -hmm. like, and that's the fourth team in the division. And the Lightning are still winning without uh, Point and Kucherov. And, yeah. you know, like, we've talked about it before on the show. Like, yes, the Canadians lost a lot of players. They've got some players on the injured reserve or like carry is out. I'm so tired of the excuses. So tired of the excuses. Like the Penguins started the season without Crosby and Malkin. They went 500 until Crosby came back. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Penguins have been redlining everything they can do over the last several seasons to try to compete for a Stanley Cup. They should have no prospects. They barely had any picks. There is no excuse for a team like the Penguins to have more depth than a team like the Canadians. You know? (laughs) Like, what? Like, they have less money than the Montreal (laughs) Canadiens? What excuse is there? And this is why, like, I've seen a bunch of people in media talking about, uh, you know, if they lose the next game, something will probably happen next week or like something needs to happen. If they lose the next game, the next game doesn't matter. Uh We like, they are where they are. Somebody Mm -hmm. built this team, this edition of the team and fully believed they were going to make the playoffs.
0: (laughs) Okay. So I, I hear that six weeks in, this isn't, I mean I didn't think we were would be where we are 3 weeks in to be honest. Well I was on your show what like a month ago or like it was a, like the second ago?
1: game of the season I think actually. It
0: was yeah it was I think it was the second. So a third I think it was the third.
1: So second, 20, third. 20 or so games ago.
0: Yeah so I I mean we were right to be hopeful. But Andrew so early ish it's before Christmas. You know, maybe Peppa Noel can bring us some wins. I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, yeah. So let's do something. Let's play this game. Like forget about data and analytics. Let's do what really good Montreal Canadian strategists do. They go on heart. Yeah. So you look so unimpressed with that plan
1: yeah I mean, where is the heart? I, I think Gallagher's been trying. I think Jake Evans has been pushing it. yeah, I really like Arturi yeah. Lekin in this season, but in terms of like the team as a whole again we're we're talking about like a a philosophy of adding character all the time for the most mm-hmm. part, they don't even look that mad. they just look dejected
0: you they know look and sad. I,
1: they, they do look sad. sad. I wonder sad. how much of the like lack of fight has to do with price not being there at the beginning of the season. Right. It's like they already lost Weber, who was their like emotional leader last year. Like you mm-hmm. want to do it for Weber because he's definitely going to retire at the end of the season. And then to also lose Price right at the beginning of training camp when you think he's like mm-hmm. a couple weeks away from coming back from surgery. I wonder if that was just like the death blow to the confidence of the team.
0: What about here's one, for your own integrity. Yeah. What about like? I totally appreciate this this Canadians mentality. We'll do it for this person. This is our leader. Like, I I get that. But that's he's not there. So then you you know abolish that plan and you got to think of another one. And this we talked about this last time when they were losing. Also, there were five losses in or something like that. After I came on your shows, I think it was game five. Um, we talked about it. I when dvorak skated to the bench after the fourth goal i saw what they looked they just looked dejected like you said it looked like they looked so discouraged and it wasn't like a oh well we've come back for this it's fine let's move on it was just like a, oh can this get-? you know what it looked like can this be over yes and i mean the, the not- whole
1: third period kind of looked like that right <laughs> yeah.
0: and i was just like and, and, you know, you think about it, you see some fight. I mean, I, I thought there was some, there was some attempts there, but it's just, like I said, I was sick to, it. I just don't see the, the chemistry. I don't know where it went. Like I told you, I was getting excited when the, the tweet came out announcing that Drouin, Caulfield and Suzuki would be on the same line. And I was like, yeah, like you got, a, I got a little excited about that. It was short-lived. Andrew. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it was uh there's not a lot of excitement that came out of it. I thought that there was like a couple of decent plays from that line, but mm. overall I, I think this mm-hmm. is like a controversial take, and I kind of mentioned on the last one, but I think Caulfield and Suzuki just don't have much chemistry with the way this team plays. I think that uh Suzuki's played his best hockey this year with Gallagher on his right wing instead. Mm. And you know, like that's true of a lot of centers over the last decade, but I think that they've got to try to look at what works and not what's going to be three years from now. Right. And Mm. maybe eventually when Caulfield has his confidence and Suzuki is offensively confident, they can put them back together. But right now, if you're going to play your like a top line, like a top line, you might as well do something that works and everything they've tried this year outside of Gallagher with Suzuki hasn't really worked. And you Mm. know, I guess you're limited by other holes you have in the lineup for sure, but I don't know. I'm not seeing much creativity from this group. I'm not seeing mm-hmm. much creativity from the coaching staff and don't even get me started with management. <laughs> like, can you fire an owner?
0: <laughs> I, if only, if only. So about Gallagher, I feel like there's some ways in which well, he's still quite young. I don't even think he's thirty yet. He's not 29. thirty, is he? He's twenty-nine. Um, he's leading or trying to lead in some ways, and I think that that's really important. And I think one of the crux of what we're talking about is not just strategy on ice and like, you know, taking it deep up the end and, and all these things. It's really about leadership, and this is having to do more with psychological and mental performance at this point than so many other things. This is what I think. And this is my armchair psychology coming to you right now. And just just for this show, it's for game over. I am giving you my professional opinion that it sucks. (laughs) This is my decade of sports writing and critical analysis to tell you the technical term for this is it sucks.
1: It does suck. And I think your point about like the mental aspect of it, that kind of brings me to Jeff Petrie, right? Mm. Which we touched on a little bit, but Jeff Petrie, there were several times tonight where he was carrying the puck and I was like, oh, hey, that looks like Jeff Petrie. And then he just hesitated and lost it at the last second. And one of them ended up in the back of the net. Another one ended up in, I think, a breakaway chance. And it's like, when you're at this point in the season, You've won five games out of 22. It doesn't matter that Price is coming back. It doesn't matter that Joel Edmondson is coming back or Mike Hoffman. You're not going to make the playoffs. So what have you got to lose by sitting Petrie for a couple of games? Get his mind right. And why don't you just take the hit? I know you don't trust Neil or Norlander. I was going to say Neilander, but put Norlander in. <laughs> play him 20 minutes a night and tell him, don't worry. Make your mistakes, but try to do something.
0: Try mm-hmm. to make
1: an impact out there. Be yourself cuz that is a huge developmental opportunity. And you just know that the Canadians are way too conservative to ever do anything like that. And mm-hmm. I think Petrie just he looks like he desperately needs a couple days off. It's not I, it's not a punishment. It's like relax, go to the spa. No,
0: but like but it's just so funny that the stories the Arcs about Dwayne getting needing time off from anxiety and insomnia, then Kerry Price needing time away for his own to manage his own things. And mental health is such an important part. Is ignoring the fact that even you know it's very obvious what's happening with this team. They're falling apart in certain places, and the psychosocial effects of this. Of, of right now what's happening i agree with you about petrie man needs to sit not just because i'm like all salty up in here it's just because like it, it's almost like giving the puck away constantly that's going to affect their confidence he's not playing like he's confident no like i have a nephew who plays ball hockey more confidently like who's like 11 or 12 like it's there's just they're not walking with that they're not walking or presenting or skating with any of that type of gusto. Do you know what I mean? Like it's just, there's there's something it's zero fractured. Yeah. There's zero confidence,
1: zero swagger, right? Yeah. There's no belief that they can get something done. And I think Jeff Petrie is playing like a guy who knows that if he makes the slightest mistake, it's ending up in the back of his net and that the camera is going to pan to him on the broadcast. Right. And when you play with that attitude, you're going to make the mistake because hesitation is death. Yeah. Like, yeah, you just can't play in this league and you will not find a bigger supporter of Jeff Petrie than me. Like I've been big on the Petrie trade since before the Petrie train before the Canadians traded for him. You can look Mm -hmm. back on Habs eyes and the prize. When I used to manage that website (laughs) before the trade deadline, I wrote a profile on Jeff Petrie as the he was the guy that the Habs needed to get. When they acquired him, I was absolutely overjoyed. It was a steal of the trade, maybe Bergevin's best. Only competition is like the Deneau trade where he traded Wees and Fleischman, which also brought in Norlander, by the way. Which they, you know, don't use. But anyway. I've been at 40. <laughs> yeah. It's uh but like he, this is not Jeff Petrie, what we're watching. It's like a shade of Jeff Petrie. Yeah. It's his shadow. And until you can get him back, there's no point in just throwing him out there and watching him have his confidence destroyed over and over. There's some times where you need reps to get something or to get over something, but I think with the importance of the minutes that Petrie's forced to play, he can't do what he needs to do in a game to get his confidence back. He needs a break.
0: And I mean, I think that's 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 crucial here. Like we're talking, and I'll swing it back a little because. I want to, the whole idea of, you know, mental health and wellness, it's not a cliche, we are particularly in a year, I'm going to get a little serious here for a minute, a little serious, um, where we're talking about the importance and the correlation, not only of mental health, but of wellness and the effects on that. And how can, and, you know, we talked about this, I think when I was on last time, but story and him coming back. And he was given in my, what I saw was a lot of support. And then if Petrie's not doing what Petrie's supposed to be doing, and he's just a a glimmer of his uh, himself, what does this tell us that needs to happen? Is that there needs to be a, they need to recalibrate. Yes. And there's no opportunity to pause and recalibrate, which is a huge problem here. And it's like, I mean, we know how hockey is. It flows it absolutely flows and there's supposed to be a dynamism and there's supposed to be the trickle down is bad and it's obvious. And like you said, you hesitate. It's done. And I mean, even honestly, even just hesitating for a second, doing a quick pass, goalie hands it over in our zone. And like and, and it's just like, oh my gosh, take a second Okay, so there's a hesitation. There's one thing I noticed, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Andrew. There's a frantic.
1: Yes, when they don't have the puck,
0: when they yeah, and then when they do have the puck and they're still frantic with the puck leads to turnovers as well. How many times did we give the puck away?
1: Yeah, and what one thing I noticed tonight, and like um, among many issues on their power play that they had, was the Canadians (laughs) have this. Complete hesitance to use the middle of the ice, which is infuriating beyond words as someone who's worked with like the high end data to show like what drives scoring goals. It's the middle of the ice passing through the middle (laughs) of the ice and they like to wing it around the perimeter. And there is some value in that at times in that because you have more players in the opponent, you can put more guys out there and you can kind of outpace them, right? So you're getting the puck, you're making them chase and you're keeping the puck on your guys' sticks and hopefully pulling guys out of position to create a play later, control the puck, get it set up. But you watch them on the power play and they have those advantages. They're passing the puck quickly, but still they don't have any time to make plays because everyone knows what they're going to do. Like it just takes a little bit of a pre-scout for the Montreal Canadiens power play. And you know that puck's going around zing, 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 zing over and over (laughs) again. They'll change the direction, do it again. And it's just like, if you can, predict where they're going to go, you can cut corners on where like the path that you take to get towards the puck. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden a strategy that's meant to create space. Well, you're under pressure immediately. Well, you have to just chip it now instead of passing it or like rimming it hard around the boards. So then it's not quite far enough to get to the player that you want. Then they have to backtrack and then they're in a puck battle. And all of a sudden it's a turnover and yada, yada, yada. It's the same story all over again. Terrible power play. Uh, A shorthanded goal against. It's Mm -hmm. it's a rough scene. Times when they should have an advantage, they can't manufacture one.
0: I mean, even when there's opportunities, like you said, how many shots were completely off target? How many of the shots? And at one point, I was like, okay, we're not doing that badly on shots on net. But like, let's have a conversation about how many of those were actually accurate. Yeah. (laughs) And, and, And I mean, that's the other thing. That's what I'm talking about: the frantic nature and. That's not a great way. You know, it, it, it just seems like last year, what was it, six months ago? It, 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 this is absolutely not the same team. No. It's, it's just not. I mean, I, I just, if it wasn't for the uniforms, I'd be like, it's absolutely not the same guys.
1: No, and you know what the worst part is? And, like, we went over this, I think, when I had, uh, like, Jay Fresh Hockey from Twitter on, on the show. And we were talking about, like, this team is clearly not built to do much. And almost everyone is signed long-term. Like you go back to the office. I'm going to
0: push, I'm going to push back a little. You think, I think, I think there's glimpses. If we adjust lineups, like you said, I agree with you on Cole and Suzuki, uh, coffee on Suzuki. I agree with you. If it's not there, it doesn't mean it can't be structured somewhere else. Essentially. These are talented guys, right? some (laughs) okay okay so essentially they're skilled and need there needs to be a reworking here recalibration strategizing this is not necessarily only the fault of the players like we can watch this game and know this goes all the way to the top this is how problematic it is it doesn't mean it can't be tweaked i am hopeful
1: yeah i'm i'm at a spot where i look at things like i like UL Armia. Right, Good player, mm-hmm.
0: mm.
1: but to me, he is a extreme luxury that you want to put on your fourth line that can sometimes move up with injuries, and he has the odd game where he looks like Mario Lemieux, and you're like, wow, amazing. But <laughs> signing him long-term to $3.5 million a year, when that contract was signed, I was like, whoa. Like, what are you doing? How have you not learned this lesson time and time again? Because I remember... When Bergerman took over, one of the first things that he did was he signed Travis Moen and Brandon Prust to four-year deals. And I was like, why are you signing fourth-liners to four-year deals? That was almost 10 years ago. And that was a bad idea then. The cap's now flat. You you don't sign fourth-liners <laughs> to four-year deals. It's just not something that successful teams do. And he just keeps on doing stuff like that. And as much as, like, in terms of salary, Edmondson, Sharat, who's been great this year, and Savard are not overpaid. Mm. They're more term than you want to give to those kinds of guys. When how
0: much is Savard paid?
1: Three point five. I think they're all at three point five. Uh, Charot yeah. might be four, but either way, I think Sherat's going to get dealt at the deadline for a pretty decent return. He's had a, a really strong season, which has taken me completely off guard because I expected him to really flounder without Weber, but and mm-hmm. great. But I wouldn't mm-hmm. put him on the power play, <laughs> you know, and that, that's like. I feel
0: like at this point you put nobody, you'd put your sons on the power play for this <laughs> game at this point. I mean, miles in the broom.
1: Yep. He can, he holds, he's got a good grip on that broom. You can't get it away from him. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, speaking, you know what? Let's talk about something positive. Speaking of the kids, because I've been like almost every game this season, I've had Dylan down on the couch beside me and he's watching games for the first time. He's like actually interested in hockey and he sits there and chants Suzuki, Suzuki, Suzuki. Cause he loves Suzuki and he like we told we've told him before like the things that he watches on tv aren't real right like movies or a cartoon like it's not real but it's it's fun it's for entertainment and the last game he was like uh, i think my wife was talking about ovechkin and she was like oh yeah he's like really scary to play games because he's so good and he was like mom don't worry ovechkin's not real oh I was like, no, Dylan, sports are real. It's not like other TV. It's actually happening. And like, I'll take you to a game. You can see it. And then the next night I was doing his bedtime and he leans over to me as he's like, everything's done. The stories are done, but we're like laying down in his bed and he puts his hand on my face like this. And he goes, dad, I think Zambonis are real too.
0: Oh, (laughs) of course they
1: are. I was like at the game that I take you to. in In between the periods, there will be a zamboni on the ice, and he was like, "Yes!" Like, be the one kid there who's more excited for the zamboni than the game, but loves the zambonis, and that's you know why. That's why positive. I'm
0: with him. I love zambonis too. Who does like? I mean, legitimately. it's very
1: relaxing to watch a zamboni,
0: and they're so good. They're so efficient, and they're mm-hmm. so consistent. I mean, honestly, we could look at Zamboni's and their process as a way to strategize for this team consistency,
1: scrape off the top layer.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I have a story that's not as joyous as yours. I'm driving my son to volleyball today. You know, I'm like put on some, my son has a really interesting, my third guy, uh, taste the music and he likes to go through my Spotify list to see it. Like hey mama's old. Let's see what good gems she has in there. Right. So, um, I put on, you know, some old, oldies and goodies, like the police greatest hits. So I carpool with one of his teammates and he gets, he's in the car and I, every breath you take comes on. It's not my favorite song by the police though. So I play it. And then his friends like, what's this? Like, this is the police. And he goes, is this a remix? And I went, what? And he goes, oh, this isn't, I was like, this is the original. He goes, this isn't P. Diddy. And I was like, <laughs> okay, we're doomed. Oh, no. I have moments where I feel like the kids are good. Today, I was like, we are doomed forever. Imagine thinking P. D., P. Diddy was an original. <laughs> Am I, I that old, Andrew?
1: That's not even his original name.
0: Is right? he is
1: he still P Diddy or is he Diddy now?
0: He's nothing. He's nothing. Just a bazillionaire. <laughs> like I mean, he doesn't even need a name. That's how much money he has. I don't know, but That's like, crazy. so basically, this you know, this generation or not this this particular sample of the population is like a metaphor for what the Canadians make me <laughs> feel like today.
1: I feel like and. In- You know, to bring it to back to hockey, that's a risk that the Canadians are going to face very soon. Like, as we all know, almost every team in the league is having trouble selling tickets right now. It's selling out their arena, so the Canadians are not an outlier there. But the success of the past is very quickly going to be forgotten. It's been it'll be 30 years next year since their last Stanley Cup. Like I was only like 5 or 6 years old. I remember it. It was like seared into my brain. It's how I became a fan, you know, like watching Patrick Wah do his little head mm-hmm. things and like talking to his mm-hmm. posts. I became a fan <laughs> in around that time. I remember like getting to stay up late cuz they were in the playoffs and I'm going to Disneyland, all that. Those formative moments. This generation has like the cup run, I guess, but other than that, there's not a lot they they can really grasp onto. There's no real sustained success for this team. Even when they have been good, it's been mm-hmm. interspersed with randomly missing the playoffs. Like I, I think they're in serious trouble if they don't try to get back towards number one, an entertaining product and number two, have giving something to fans to latch onto, to, you know, tell their own children about, you know, like, you have to get the kids to love the team and think they're in a world of hurt if, uh, if they can't figure something out quick because their marketing is very much geared, like all of the NHL, is very much geared to people who are already fans. Right.
0: Well, I mean, I don't, that's the thing. I think what's happening now, and I was older than you when they won in 93, and it was incredible. Like, Roa walked, walked away with a Vezina, Conn Smythe and the Stanley Cup, like it was incredible. And um, I think that th- those days are now considered folklore and that's what the Stanley Cup run is going to be. It's going to be folklore. Do you remember where you were? Yes. In 2021. I feel like I'm they so have... sad To say that, but that's yeah. what it's going to happen. It's going to be the legends of old.
1: Yeah. They, and they have some moments from that, that I think are going to live long. Right. Like Lekkonen's overtime winner on Saint Jean-Baptiste Day to send them to the Stanley Cup final. Like yeah. that's something that people will remember for sure. But it's gonna get tempered with the fact that they got to the Stanley Cup final and get their heads absolutely caved in. Right? And I was reading, I think it was with Eric Angles. Mark Bergerman was talking about how like they lost in the Stanley Cup final, but it's not like all the games were blowouts or anything. I'm like, did you did you watch it, Mark? Did you watch that final? Like you don't think... He was like, I thought they played pretty evenly. What? <laughs> Excuse me? In what world did they play evenly in that final?
0: I mean, what else is he going to say? What else is he going to say? I mean, okay. I didn't even think they'd get that far. Honestly, no, I was texting nobody with did. someone. I was texting with someone and every it was like every single series, I was like, I can't believe we're here. I thought we would get swept by, by the Leafs. I mean, the Leafs thought that they were going to sweep yes and you know we know how that ended and it was just like it was and right now the Leafs are second in 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 the Atlantic like they're not but I mean they're like the flick out and like they always do so it's fine but you know (laughs) history is also you know quite clear with it with the Leafs but um it just you know and then Winnipeg I was like oh yeah we're gonna get absolutely slashed no didn't happen and I was like what
1: but Vegas, you know I mean? definitely going to lose to Vegas.
0: We're going to lose. We're definitely losing to Vegas. Yeah. You know, um, it got so bad. I brought my mom on my podcast just for the extra. Like she was reading Quran all day just to like pray for them. It worked. <laughs> but by I think by the time we're at the finals, we're all so tired of praying and hoping that it was just like, let it take it. But it was a moment of excitement. It's just, but there was something else. There was that energy. And, you know, we just talked about in this show, we talked about the lack of that swagger and that energy and that anything. It almost feels like they're devoid of emotion right now. They're just and the technical term. Again, I'm using incredibly difficult technical terms here is meh.
1: Yeah. that I think that's the thing is like, there's no, there's no passion in the team. Yes.
0: No.
1: But like, you can't really have passion as a fan right now, either outside of anger. Right. Or like disgust at what's going on. It's just, it's brutal. It is incredibly brutal. You and heard I, I of your like,
0: friends. Andrew is calling for an upheaval and an uprising. Of the I fans. am, you know,
1: a violent revolution. No, <laughs> people are going to David Suzuki me. <laughs> did, did you see that earlier this week? No, no,
0: no, he was on my Instagram because he was talking about how, no, that was last week. When he was talking about the conference and talking about the emissions. uh. Conference and environmentalism, and how he doesn't trust Canada. I mean, he's on brand. I love yeah. that guy. What I mean, did he get? What happened?
1: Uh, so, he was talking about, I think he was talking about the, uh, I don't want to, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation, but the Wet Sweatson, I think. Wet Wet'suwet'en. Wet The issues that are going on there, and the protests, and the arrests, and the police mm-hmm. violence. And he was saying that uh, he basically said that he doesn't support any violence from anyone. But the way things are going and the way the situation is going, if the government doesn't act, he can see a future where people try to blow up pipelines. And the right-wing fringe media were like, oh, David Suzuki is calling for terrorists to blow up the pipelines. And it's like, he literally said he didn't want that, didn't support that. But he could see a future where that happened because of the state-sponsored violence and government inaction on environmental issues. Like mm-hmm. it's not at all what he said, but they just completely took words, rearranged them and pretended he said them and it was like crazy on Twitter for a couple of days. Like I saw that he was trending and I was like, "Why is David Suzuki trying Oh, okay. Just BS.
0: I will say this, like I mean, I love all that story. I don't know how I missed that. Um you got to be more
1: extremely online, Shireen.
0: Oh, God. You know what? I'm just like, oh, there's so much. There's so much. I don't even know what's been happening. What have, what have I been doing with my life? Um, <laughs> uh, so if an 80-year-old scientist is what's going to upset the right, they're going to get upset, right? Like, I mean, there's nothing we can do about that. But you know what? A little bit of that spirit. I will have David Suzuki to give to Nick Suzuki through some conversation because <laughs> they are actually related. Yeah. So if some of that energy could come in. You know what? I'm not, I don't hate the idea of David Suzuki going to go visit them and having a teen chat. What do you think about that?
1: I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. I think he's Nick's great uncle, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. There, yeah, there is a relationship like there are, they are related for sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, anything at this point, you know, they need something. Whatever they're doing is not working, you know, and I think that that game against Nashville kind of gave some false hope when they got absolutely dummied in that first period and Mm -hmm. then everything went right for them in the second period. Mm -hmm. It was like an opposite game from the game against Vegas where they (laughs) did everything and didn't earn anything and then everything went right for Vegas in the second and it blew up. But yeah, it's been a couple weeks now where they look absolutely abysmal. And I wonder if it's a situation where they played decently well for a good stretch and still couldn't get anything to work. And when that happens, you lose confidence in the process and you start you're seeing a lot more guys go cowboy, right? Where they're just doing their own thing. And mm-hmm. I have a lot of respect for Josh Anderson this season because he's one of the guys who's consistently shown up and tried to spark the team. But When he starts to do things on his own all the time, it really shows. And I I don't think that's the case tonight. I thought he was probably their best player through the first 25, 30 minutes of the game. Mm. But there are times when Anderson just becomes an individual and he's not talented enough to be an individual. Like, he's not Alex Kovalev, right? (laughs) There's very few players who can be an individual and succeed in this game. It's like Mm. the McDavid's. The Crosbys, the Ovechkins.
0: The Ovechkins, who apparently got a puck in the face tonight and then went and got a hat trick.
1: Yeah, wouldn't it be? I mean, it's impossible to say, wouldn't it be nice to like have an Ovechkin? Because that's just rare. And only a couple teams in history have ever had a player like that. But to have somebody who can change a game single-handedly is something the Canadians but, haven't but had in a do. long time. But
0: we do have someone like that, but he's just not playing right now.
1: This is true. Carey Price can do that. But it's, it's different for a goalie, right? Because the goalie can't but, go out and score but, either.
0: But last time we won a Stanley Cup, it emanated from that player in that position. Yes, this is true. I remember. And that energy and that intensity came up forward. And I've watched in my lifetime when the Canadians have either gone. Well, no, there's more than that. But they've gone for a run in my lifetime. That's how old I am. But um, that is emanated there with this club and this history the importance of having a solid goaltender cannot be overstated Yeah. then comes the line of defense but honestly there is some it's not a mythical thing it's an actual existing philosophy and deeply rooted tradition and they're lost I'm not and and you know sometimes yeah we put all our chickens uh, the eggs in one what's that expression you put all your eggs in one basket yeah but then when it works it works but I think that's part of the problem that there's too many eggs being put in the wrong baskets right now
1: yeah Jason Marone in the YouTube chat was saying a guy that uh, has put the team on his back before and like one game for them was uh, Suban. that's true okay they didn't I mean, like him though. yeah
0: <laughs> no but I mean that's the thing too much not enough character yeah right I mean I can't I can't even with that like I'll get upset yeah we won't get started on that, that. and I feel like
1: that whole conversation changes drastically based on what's happened to Subban in the last couple of years, right? Where like the games oh, kind of sure. passed him by and the injuries that he's been dealing with. And I, I think personally, he's gotten some bad career advice because he's leaned into what I think a lot of people told him he was good at, instead of the things that he was actually good at.
0: Mm.
1: Like you watch Subban now on the power play, and it's just shots. That's all he does is ever shoot. And I remember Subban with the Canadians was like. He was trying to model his game after Markov, right? He was Mm -hmm. a super incisive passer. You -hmm. couldn't tell what he was going to do with the puck because he could shoot or he could pass it right through the middle of the ice for a one-timer to Galchenyuk or Patcharetti, whoever, right? So that part of his game is gone and unfortunate. Maybe he can get it back, but when you're over 30, it's usually when you start to decline, it it doesn't go back. But yes, P.K. Subban as a Montreal Canadian was absolutely incredible and was a game changer. Like Pacharetti was too for a stretch. He was like the third highest goal scorer in the NHL over like four years.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it was also that he never looked sad. Yeah. <laughs> like he never yeah. he didn't look, there was this intensity and like, you know, I, I, I don't want to feel like we're constantly repeating this, but I think we both emphatically believe in, in, in this the mental piece and in the uh in really the feeling of what's happening. And, you know, it's it's one thing to feel a heaviness when you're sitting at home and I was taking notes, watching, watching the game. And then you and I were texting. And I was there's a heaviness on top of expectations and and you know this and this this is their jobs, but there's a heaviness that needs to be lifted somehow and eased because as you've already talked about, you know, Petrie and, and what's happening there and the pressure, which is immense. But even when Pecoretti or Subin were playing, there was st- and there was tremendous pressure. There was still a sense of joy. Yeah. And that's not happening right now. I mean, we we see glimpses of it. Like, you know, when you say Josh Anderson goes out on his own, there's a desperation almost there that someone has to do something. I'm going to be that guy. Right.
1: Yeah, and so, you you do love the fact that he wants to be that guy. Yeah, right. You have to love that. Yeah, just doesn't often work. And to be fair, sad. he didn't score tonight. It is <laughs> yeah, it is yeah. sad. That's the thing. Like as much as a lot of people are angry, I think the overwhelming feeling is not even anger right now. It's just it's, it's like sadness and exhaustion of it because we're a quarter of the way through the season. There's still sixty more games of this. Yeah. And I'm sure it'll get a little bit better once Price is back, just because you know the confidence in the goaltender matters. And oh yeah, we I don't want to put it all on the goalies because I think Allen's had some fantastic games. Uh, Montembeau mm-hmm. was pretty incredible against the Nashville Predators, but like Sam Montembeau against
0: the Preds, yeah, yeah. But today Montembeau no, was not, he was not good. Wasn't no. And he, at one point, I remember I think it was the third goal. He lifted up his helmet, and it was just like you could see his face very clearly shot on, and it was just like. It wasn't even shock. It wasn't even disappointment. It was just like a knowing of, yes, it's not great.
1: Yeah, it's not happening. And that's kind of like I watch him. And even when you are making saves, when you're making it constantly, like on the outsides of your body in the modern NHL, if you're on your game as a goaltender, you're taking shots in the crest. Right. That's why price is almost in a way. Like, if you don't know goaltending, he's boring to watch as a goalie because he's so positionally excellent that, like, shots just hit him in the chest. He's not flailing to make giant blocker saves most of the time. He can still make yep. those. He can make the big windmill glove save when it's necessary. Right. But most of his saves look boring because he's efficient. Montembo, <laughs> like, pucks, like, hit him, and they're just bouncing all over the place. And you're like, whoa, 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 What's going on? Like, I think it was the, th- the third goal, the shorthanded goal, where, like, yeah. It should not have happened. And the announcers were all over Suzuki and like, fair. He, he disengaged with the play, but I think it was because he saw a puck hit the middle of Montembo. I was like, he's going to control the rebound because this is the NHL. It's like, nope, it's going to pop right out in front of him into the slot. And right to, I think it was. Kyle Pozo. Yeah. So yeah. Having less of that helps. Cody Eden? No. Cody Egan was the one who uh, did the initial shot. He scored the. Second,
0: second goal, second
1: or third. Yeah, maybe the shorthanded goal was. Short-handed I thought goal it was a third.
0: Eakin. okay. Yeah, um, I yeah, know Eakin sure.
1: definitely scored. He might have scored the. Maybe it was the second goal. It was a shorthanded goal, and the Akpoga goal was no. They said the Akpoga one was shorthanded too. Yeah. I'd have to look it up. Can't remember. Off the top of my head.
0: Thompson scored the first one.
1: Yeah, and the fourth one, I believe.
0: And the fourth, and the fourth, yeah. yeah do you remember his expression? Do you remember his expression right after that happened? And okay, and we talk about uh franticness and we talk about frustration that check like that hit and then thompson goes in and just finishes it off and it's a way of saying yeah okay you do you but i'm gonna do me and i'm gonna score yeah and that that bravado was i think earned but also didn't help the canadians cause at all. no
1: no i mean it was just like oh you think you're gonna get some energy I'm going to punish you, you know, and that yeah. was such a bad play by Romanov. And I think he's been <laughs> much better lately, but it's the kind of decision-making that drives me nuts about his game. He's out there yeah. with Norlander. Who's a rookie playing in his third NHL game. He's barely uh-huh. played this game. So he's like, not mentally engaged the way you are. If you're playing 20 minutes and you try to make a hit in the neutral zone, stepping up on a guy, you don't even separate the puck from the puck carrier. And then it's just like Norlander, with Buffalo spread out really wide, so he has no chance to create any sort of defensive play. He's mm-hmm. not in a passing lane. He's not like he's kind of in a shooting lane, but mostly as a screen. He's yeah. way too far away to actually effectively block a shot, so it's just bad all around.
0: So that I had chalked up Romanov's uh decision as just being impatient Mm -hmm. and and youthful mistake trying to like do
1: something in a lost
0: game yeah like just just you know when okay so bear with me here and you know your toddler dad the frustration to just to move quickly and just do something yeah and the impatience and how that manifests that's what i saw in that moment but okay so bear with me here that passion though if that's channeled properly that can actually become something I'm really trying here to be positive, Andrew. Like, come on, like I really am. I'm trying to like thread some pieces of positivity here because there's moments where I see like, oh, this could happen, once or twice a period. There's moments that we're like, oh, okay, there's there's a possibility. And I mean, I think we're we're in a very as all, you know, whether you're a sports writer or a fan or just a general observer of hockey we're in a very analytical stage of this team right now in terms of observing them because there's nothing happening other than us to observe them and how bad they are. So like, that's what is happening right now. I really wish the conversation could be different, but right now we're not giving any, we're not getting anything else to make it different. So, you know, so if all you out there, viewers are thinking that we're being excessively harsh.
1: There are five wins in 22 games. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you could be harsh enough. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I wonder how long this can go on before something happens because it, the silence has been deafening from the Canadians organization.
0: Okay, this is the second time you've said this in the show. Something happening? Spill it. What do
1: you What do you? Mean? Oh, I mean, if it was me, I've been very clear. I would be firing Bergman by now. He's okay. on an expiring contract. I don't think that he has any ideas to fix the club that make any sense. Mm -hmm. I think that he bought in too heavily into the the flash-in-the-pan success in the postseason last year that was based mostly on Carey Price being incredible and some timely scoring as the Canadians were able to shut teams down. Uh, But the problem is you lost Weber and Deneau. So it's kind of tough to shut teams down now when two of your best defensive players are gone. They're gone. (laughs) It's just like I look at Bergevin and his tenure is very much like there's great moves in there. There are the Jeff Petrie trade, the Phil Deneau trade. You know, you could argue that he got rid of PK Subban at the right time if you want to. You know, I Mm -hmm. think it's very lucky for him that PK Subban's back injury ended up impacting his play a lot more than Weber's injuries did. Mm -hmm. But you could still argue it. Weber had five productive years here. So there's things to point to that are good. But I look at when he took over and he was talking about. You know, it's a five-year plan to be competitive. And then the team was really, really good right away, even mm-hmm. with a coach that kind of sucked and held them back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they failed to recognize that that team was good because in the first round, they got bullied by the Ottawa Senators. And mm-hmm. in the first game, Pacioretty blew out his shoulder. Brian Gianta blew out uh, his bicep disconnected from the bone. You know, like, in, I think it was the second time that year that bicep had disconnected and he required surgery. <sighs> And Carey Price blew out his groin. Lars Eller was concussed and then they lost in five games. Mm. And it's like, yeah, of course they lost. Despite the fact that they dominated the series territorially, half their good players were on the sidelines, you know, like, and then they
0: do do want to point one more thing when you were talking about Weber, but Weber's contributions were not only on the ice. Yeah, for sure. A solid defenseman and leading and supporting like, and I say supporting, not just in that, goal scoring capacity. It just mean on mentally and that's, what's missing and his leadership and, you know, rallying the troops and getting the young bloods like, you know, pumped. Yeah. They called that's him so dad much...
1: for a reason, right? Yeah. Like he was the team dad.
0: was <laughs> the team dad. And you know, dads are necessary in hockey, you know, the hockey dads are a thing and you know, it's, it is what it is. And I just, There's so many things that I'm just like, okay, so what I'm getting out of the show, three top people to give pep talk, to bring it up. David Suzuki, (laughs) Dylan Berkshire, and then the Zamboni person.
1: (laughs) Just Dylan goes into the dressing room. Don't worry, guys. Ovechkin's not real. (laughs) Not real.
0: (laughs) You You don't have to worry about him. I think that's, that's, You know, and then David Suzuki saying, we need some tactics here. (laughs) I don't love it, but we got to do something. Got to do something (laughs) crazy here,
1: guys. Got
0: to do something, because I can see this happening. I I I think this is on brand.
1: Yeah, 100%. They need something. I think, like, I'm looking at Bergerman's history, and aside from, like, I I look at it in, in, like, several stages of why I think that they need a new voice there. Number one is, with executives, it's very rare that after 10 years... They're going to do mm-hmm. something different that actually leads to success, right? Like mm-hmm. You've gotten the best out of them already. Mm-hmm. Number two, that beginning core that he had that he thought was five years away, they were a competitive team right away. And that was obvious. I remember like Stefan Cooper, who worked at on the, Eyes on the Prize at the time, labeled the Montreal Canadiens in 2011-2012 as the best bad team that's ever happened like they were actually quite good they had a lot of really good pieces that core was phenomenal they added galchenyuk who should have developed into a much better player so you've got the development issues that's huge they've literally developed one impact player in bergevin's entire tenure and that's Brendan gallagher Mm -hmm. and he was drafted Mm -hmm. by the previous regime failure to recognize they were competitive right away Mm -hmm. failure to recognize when they weren't going to be competitive like When they made that Subban-Weber trade, the idea was to compete for a cup right away. They made the playoffs once, got bounced, and then without COVID would be now five years in a row missing the playoffs. So it's like you can't develop players. So you're now you're stuck signing or trading guys, which gets expensive real fast. You're capped out. Mm -hmm. Your core that you inherited, which brought you most of the success you've had as a general manager in those first four or five years is now in their mid thirties. You haven't been able to replace them with anyone internally. So what do you bring into the table, Mark? Like just let a new voice come in a fresh voice. I would love to see somebody who's not a hockey person be the manager. I just want to see a manager and then you can surround them with hockey people. I'd love to see the Canadians take the risk to bring in someone different because they can do it.
0: Okay. I love this. And to answer your question, even though I know it was re- like rhetorical, what is Benjamin bringing to the table other than bad decisions? Because that's essentially what's happening. Um, yeah. Sorry. My kid just got home, but we'll have to wait. Don't worry, no cool worry. Because that was like legitimately cannot answer the, can't answer the door. Um, I think one of the things that I was going to say was on this idea of a general manager, you have to know how to handle and manage OK, just for an example, for the PHF, which is a premier hockey federation, it's women's hockey. Uh, Tyler Timini is the new commissioner. Her background was in baseball. Her whole life came in because she knows how to manage. And yeah. that's what this is about. Let the people who can strategize, strategize, come up with game plans, come up with rosters, come up with lineups. Come up with all the creativity and allow them to thrive. You're not thriving there. Like move along. Get someone else.
1: Yeah. And maybe I David
0: think, Suzuki can be the gentleman. Honestly, Suzuki. I feel Yeah. <laughs> honestly.
1: And I feel like that's like when people tell me I'm too harsh on the Montreal Canadians. My big thing is I look at the Montreal Canadians as the marquee franchise of the NHL. Of hockey. Yeah. You know, they are right. where hockey started. They're the winningest team in the in the entire history of the sport. Right. The Canadians have been okay for Bergevin's tenure, right? Like, they've had pretty decent runs, a couple of mm-hmm. them. But they haven't been great ever. That's my big issue. It's like, my standard is, shouldn't you be great? And like even when they had a like I would say the the twenty fourteen team and twenty fifteen team, and I know the twenty fifteen team missed the playoffs because of Canadian Carey Price getting injured. Yeah, those two teams, those should have been like, or was it twenty fifteen or twenty? Yeah, twenty fifteen. Those two teams should have been Stanley Cup contenders if they had a coach that could figure out what they were doing,
0: Mm -hmm. but they
1: didn't. They had to. Ride Terry in and watch him have to redline Carey Price throughout his prime in order to win games, and then oh, Carey Price is injured at the end of every single season. I wonder why. <laughs> like, Maybe it's because he played seventy games, yeah. and our backup is this guy that's two popsicle sticks with bubble gum attached to it. You know, like it's. E- okay, I mean, so then
0: how do you explain that greatness that we just saw then? And if you're trying to just say it didn't come from Bergevin, it wasn't concocted or curated in the Uh, way ought to be. I wouldn't say it it.
1: didn't come from Bergevin. I think that, like, legitimately last summer, I thought he made a bevy of excellent moves. Like, everything he touched turned to gold. I love the Toffoli deal. The Edmondson deal I was cagey on, but he worked great with Jeff Petrie. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle, right? And, like, the Dallas Stars did it the year before. Dallas Stars aren't a good team. No. Right? (laughs) The Cinderella teams, like, yes, it's real while it happens. And I don't think yeah. we should ever discount that because it is special and it is fun and it is awesome, but it's not. That's repeatable. rewarding
0: for fans. Yes, rewarding 100%. Fans.
1: And Canadians fans deserve that because it's been a crappy time for a stretch here. Mm-hmm. But we got to get to a point where like, yes, you can have some crappy times going forward, but there has to be a plan. I think there needs to be some transparency about what the plan is because the Canadians are so old school. They don't want to talk to anyone. Like I think their view of everything is the more we tell anyone, the more they can hang us with it. But if you tell the truth to fans, I feel like they're a lot more accepting of where the road's going to go. Like look at New York, the New York Rangers, right? When they told their fans, they were going to reset and try to build something for the future. And they did Mm -hmm. one of the most painful things you could imagine. Mm -hmm. They bought out arguably the best player in their franchise history. And in the end, He ended up having to retire due to heart issues. He didn't play anywhere else. Like they didn't even need to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. Like
1: that sucks on the face of it, but look what they were actually able to do. They're building something Mm now.
0: Yeah. And there's a shift. There's a momentum. There is absolutely like, we'll see. And I'll say this and it, I don't love saying this, but the hurricanes, the canes are killing it this year. They are. And it's it sometimes like, you know, Ethan Bear went down there and there's that energy and there's like, I'm a big Ethan Bear fan. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Also, uh, also it was super cute when they were introducing the players with like, they look like the first day and they said his first, his favorite food is honey. I thought that was the cutest thing I'd ever seen. Um, it's up there with Miles in the broom uh, for me. <laughs> um, so, but that energy and that that's something that can't be bought. That's actually something that can be fostered but it can't be it, it can't be bought in that way that happens and you can have pieces in the right place and I just don't think that's happening with the Montreal Canadiens I'm so no. sad to say it's just it's not like happening.
1: there's some good pieces in place and like this is why like I was talking to on, on the last stream we had Justin Bourne and Gus Katsaros on and they were like mm-hmm. they're both really cagey about the idea of like a full-scale teardown and I am too because most teams that do that get stuck You know, like it took Edmonton, they had nine top 10 picks in the draft before they finally got things together. And even still, you Mm -hmm. could argue they're not that good outside of McDavid, you know, like there's some major issues there, but that's bad Mm -hmm. management. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Canadians need to do a full scale teardown. They have good pieces, good, decently young pieces, right? But they need more. (laughs) Like They need to plan for the future
0: here's a question for you do you remember like i'm anticipating us finishing the canadians finishing last i just i'm anticipating this because it's what senators are, are are in last place um has that ever been a season where like previous year stanley cup finalist has ended up in last place
1: i think the worst one was carolina mm-hmm. when they lost to detroit in 2002 I don't think they finished last, but I think they were a lottery team the following season. It was. Yeah. So I think that's the worst one. It's either that one or Carolina after they won the cup. (laughs) It's like Carolina is like the, the team that has done it the most where they've made the Stanley cup final and then like missed the playoffs the following year.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever finished last before. I know this is, maybe this can be the record. Maybe. I mean, Canadians love setting records.
0: Yeah. There this it is. is
1: already the worst start in franchise history, right? So yeah, 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 but I think uh we'll probably wrap it so you can hang out with your family and I can try to go to sleep.
0: <laughs> I did by the way, for everybody watching I did my son did find his way in. he's not still standing outside there, just, just so not he, leaving
1: know. him out in the cold to to no, freeze.
0: No, no no, <laughs> no I'm not heartless somebody said 2018
1: blues no the blues went from last to to winning the Stanley Cup that's the opposite
0: that's the opposite
1: but But like I think the turnaround in Montreal can be quick I think they can do it within a window where Carey Price is still good even yeah but they need to be committed to it
0: yep yeah i'm gonna i'm actually gonna go and watch some nature of things reruns because i think that would be really important yeah so the one where he um, says that he's
1: gonna commit terrorist acts
0: (laughs) no maybe not that one um come on i'm a muslim woman in a hijab i don't joke about that oh geez yeah you're right i should
1: not oh my god oh awful it's this mustache you know
0: (laughs) um you say Saskatchewan. I said Moncton. When you had your hat on, you sent me a photo. I'm like, that's peak. That's peak New Brunswick right there. Um, Yeah. But thank you for having me on. This is always delightful, despite we're like groaning (laughs) before we get on air. It's like, oh, but I'll be on again in December and I'm looking forward to that.
1: Yeah. I'm looking forward to it too. And if we learn, if I've learned anything from Steve Dangle is that people enjoy seeing others in pain. So (laughs) that's what sports are all about sports fans thanks so sports much shereen before i let you go i actually have to get you to uh plug your stuff by the way
0: oh yes thank you uh i'm a long i told andrew this in text this game shouldn't be this hard for me i'm a long suffering arsenal fan i know what it's like to be last on the table so um i you'll find me on twitter at underscore Shireen ahmed underscore i'm also on the burn it all down podcast love that and yeah i live in the Twitterverse. And my website is www.shireenahmed.com.
1: Awesome. So. Thanks so much, Shereen. And thanks for everyone for tuning in. I know it's hard to get hyped up right now. <laughs> so we appreciate every single viewer. We love you. Talk to you tomorrow.